Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One morning in autumn 2016, Jennifer Williams went to her front door and found a brown paper envelope on the mat. The contents of that envelope would result in a series of stories detailing horrifying truths about mothers and babies dying unnecessarily. But she didn't know that then. To get to that point, we have to start earlier, at the beginning. I'm Maeve McLennigan, and this is The Tip-Off. Uh, my name is Jennifer Williams. I'm the Social Affairs Editor at the Manchester Evening News. Jennifer Williams has a big patch to cover. Working at the Manchester Evening News, her job involves not only covering a whole range of issues, but also a really wide geographical area. Take, for example, her work on health. So I cover Greater Manchester and that has, uh, off the top of my head, I think 11 different hospitals and I think Four or five of them fall under pen and acute, so it's a, re- it's a really big. NHS hospitals all belong to parent trusts, and one in Jennifer's patch was Pennine Acute. Now, that was a trust that had been set up around 10 years earlier. It's a really, really big trust, and I think it's the second, certainly was at the time, the second biggest hospital trust um, in the country. Um, and there had been, really, there'd been issues from day one. So this trust was already on Jennifer's radar. She'd periodically hear people with complaints, grumbles about the service there. There was one local politician, Graeme Stringer, who was MP for Blackley and Broughton, who was particularly vocal about concerns there. He'd sort of been complaining for a long time and not being very well served by this trust. So it was a, it was a kind of familiar narrative to me that there were problems there. The problems at the hospitals had not escaped the authorities' attention. Around the start of 2016, the Care and Quality Commission, or CQC, which is the national body tasked with overseeing care provision, had visited the Trust's hospitals to make an inspection. Now, Jennifer is well-connected. She talks to people in this area all the time. And little by little, she was hearing more rumours about how the inspection had gone. And it didn't sound good. And it became clear very quickly to anyone who was kind of relatively well connected within the healthcare system in Greater Manchester that this had been a particularly bad inspection beyond the kind of scale of of a kind of a bit of a rubbish one it was really really bad. So at this point Jennifer had a suggestion that something was going seriously wrong but no documentary evidence to back it up. 
Well, fortunately, she has a well-stocked contacts book. Part of the way that I try and make sure that I do the job is to cultivate sounds a bit mercenary, but I try and keep in touch with people in a way that is not just kind of ring them every six months and kind of say, have you got a story? Like I try and keep an ongoing conversation going with them on a regular basis. So she reached out to her contacts to try and find out a bit more about what the CQC had found. This kind of thing spreads like wildfire. You know, I mean, it's like if a school gets a really particularly appalling Ofsted, um, world travels within the kind of education sector, and it was the same thing with this. But it was more about keeping in touch with people and then saying, well, do you know anybody who's got a bit more information on this? Can you go away and have a few conversations? And then they will go and do that for you. Um, So it's kind of just the nature of digging, I suppose. So over a kind of period of, I suppose, about a week or two from having those conversations, I got enough detail on what they'd found in terms of failures in leadership, problems specifically within maternity services, paediatrics and A&E, which could actually then be backed up because if I went back through the board papers, you could you could kind of see the warning signs on some of that stuff dating back quite a while. Um, I then had kind of enough stuff to be able to write an initial story basically asking what's happening at North Manchester General Hospital. So Jennifer has enough to write some first stories. They highlight the concerns that she's hearing. It's not enough to blow the case wide open. Far from it. But it's a flag in the ground to let more people know that she's looking at things. And the paper had a great idea for how to gather even more insights. We thought, well, if we get the story out saying these, there are problems here and then put a form at the bottom of the story saying, you tell us your experiences of any issues, good or bad, that you might have had at this hospital or any of the other hospitals in this trust and the opportunity to leave their contact details if they wanted to. Um, and let's see where we go from here. So we did that. It's a clever method, but responses are far from guaranteed. In a, in a way, it's a bit of a fishing expedition, isn't it, that? But I suppose we were doing, it was, it was a kind of informed guesswork because we'd had so many complaints over the year from people about these hospitals. So Jennifer's first story went out, and she waited. But not for long. It was pretty instantaneous on this, and it was... It was so negative. I mean, we were expecting it to be pretty negative. But some of the stories, particularly, well, it was with two things. It was partly patients. There was a lot of people saying that their relatives had had particularly bad care there. There was a lot of people talking about bad care stretching back years. So people with historic stories about stuff that happened in, you know, 2005 or 2006. And there was also a lot of staff who had clearly been a to raise issues or perhaps had raised issues but had got nowhere who contacted us anonymously with the kind of detailed things where you just kind of thought this is just too detailed is for for somebody to be making this stuff up um so there's tons and tons and tons uh of people got in touch i mean i can remember trawling through the spreadsheets and just thinking i'm never going to get to the bottom of this because there's just so many people wading through the responses Jennifer started to notice similar stories time and time again. There were themes, there were patterns, there were staff that hadn't been taken seriously when they raised issues. There were people with, you know, parents who'd been in there who'd not had the care that they'd needed. There were people particularly who'd suffered um, 
really disastrous um, issues around pregnancy and childbirth. Um, so that kind of was sort of a vindication, really. We kind of thought, right, okay, well, that's good. That's not good. But from a journalist's point of view, that means we're on the right track. And as she was talking to people, Jennifer heard about another report, beyond that official one from the CQC. This was one that was supposedly drawn up by a woman called Deborah Carter. She had been brought in as Pennine's new maternity director. One contact was particularly useful. This source was telling Jennifer that this report tracked back a long time and it focused in on maternity services at the various hospitals. Um, and I remember them saying to me, it is unbelievably awful, this report. It's really terrible. And it says that mothers and babies died as a result of poor care. Well, then Jennifer knew what she had to do. She had to get her hands on that report. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Well, when you want something, you ask. 
So it was around July last year that Jennifer went to the Trust and asked about this second report. And said, look, while we're also on this, um, putting all of the stuff about the CQC to them, so saying, there's also another report which is not to do with the CQC that you've done that's internal and it's looking at these specific things and I'm told it exists. Um, can I please get a copy of it? And to begin with, that I think I'd, I'd mentioned it on the phone to the press office and then I put it all in the email and that part of the email just got ignored. They just didn't, they just ignored it. The Trust simply did not respond on that point about the second report. Was it a mistake? So then I asked again, I didn't get anywhere, I think the email got ignored completely. The Trust finally replied to Jennifer's many requests saying, there has not been an internal report specifically on our maternity services that has been presented or seen by the Trust Board. At this point she was confused. Maybe she had got it wrong and there was no other report. So then I went back to my source and they said, no, you need to keep going on this. This, like, absolutely exists. This report, like, absolutely, completely exists. And it gave me a bit more details about it. So I went back again. She was starting to doubt herself. And then one day her phone buzzed. I got a text message um, from somebody speaking on behalf of the Trust saying... It's, it doesn't exist. I can't remember the wording of the text message, but just basically saying, no, like, look, this thing, you've got your eyes crossed, this, this report just doesn't exist. At which point, I kind of, most journalists, and me included, would just go, well, you don't get a denial in black and white, usually, unless it's, unless telling the truth. Like, you just don't, because from a corporate point of view, that's just a really best thing to do. Like, you wouldn't deny something categorically in black and white if it turned out that the opposite was the case because you just end up looking terrible. So it kind of threw me a bit. And I thought, well, that's weird because my contacts are really good contacts and they're talking about this in so much detail and they're so convinced that this report exists and yet I'm being told categorically that it doesn't exist. So which was it? Believed the trust or her source. Jennifer was in a bind. She went back to her source and said, look, they say there is no report. They say it's not a thing. And they, they started to get really annoyed then. And they were like, well, it is a thing. So then they gave me a bit more detail about the date that it had been written. Um, I think that was a little bit later on, actually, they gave me the date. They gave me some, a bit more clear information about what this report was. Um, so I put in a Freedom of Information request for it. Jennifer wrote up the request and sent it in and then waited. It usually takes 20 working days to get a reply. Her source was sure there was a report and if the trust weren't going to hand it over easily, then surely this was the best way to get it. But the time passed, the deadline for the response came and went and nothing, no reply. Frustrated, Jennifer pushed back, asking again and finally taking the case to the Information Commissioner's office. And the ICO ruled in my favour and said, you're dragging your feet, get on with it, sent them a stern letter. The Information Commissioner's ruling came down. It told the Trust that they had to respond to the request. And so finally, the response came in. And then they rejected it. Um, and that used, I, I can't remember what the excuse was now, but it was something along the lines of, you know, according to the absolute specific wording of my FOI, um, they had nothing of that nature on their file. 
Um, it didn't exist. It had been months of waiting, wrangling with press officers and FOI officials, a ruling from the Information Commissioner's office, and still Jennifer's hands were empty. For all she knew, she was on a complete wild goose chase. And <laughs> by this point, I was just kind of thinking, well, I don't know where to go with this because my contact had kind of repeatedly said, I can't leave it to you, it's more than my job's worth, like I cannot send you it. And um, so I rang them and I told them and I said, that they, they say that this doesn't exist. And they were like, right, okay, what's your home address? I didn't really take it seriously. I just didn't, I didn't, you know, it's like something off all the president's men. You don't really think that this is going to be a thing. Not expecting much, Jennifer passed over her own home address. And the next morning, there on her front door, a brown paper envelope. Excited, Jennifer scooped it up and ran to her bedroom. I, I picked it up off the, off the doormat and thought, oh my God, I know what this is. Because... It, people don't send you A4 brown envelopes with your name written in handwriting very often. And I just thought, that's what this is going to be. And I, I sort of, I opened it and had to, had to sit down because the jaw just dropped. And it was the parts of the report that listed all of the really awful things that this new director of maternity services had discovered when she'd gone in and done a review. I'd sort of thought that they might have been exaggerating. Like, because I'd had to run around so much by the trust, I just didn't quite believe that it could be as bad as they were making out. And then I just had to I had to read it and reread it and reread it and reread it again. Because I just... It's just absolutely astonishing. The pages Jennifer had in her hands detailed horrifying cases of poor treatment one story stood out as particularly awful. It was the case of a baby born very prematurely who had no chance of survival. Staff at the hospital had put the baby in a Moses basket and left it in a sluice room, the area where the hospital's waste is disposed of. The baby died there alone. So that was probably, that was the most shocking one, I guess. It was a kind of basic failure of compassion, I suppose was the thing. I think that was the reason that it cut through to people so hard. Um, there's obviously procedures for if a baby is um, born prematurely, if it's um, stillborn, if it's um, going to die, you know, various things that they're supposed to do, and they didn't. But that was not the only disturbing detail. The report also told of a woman who had died of a catastrophic hemorrhage after her symptoms were just put down to mental illness. Or a baby who died because staff failed to identify their mother's rare blood type. And in another case, a woman who was left with a colostomy because her condition was missed three times. A lot of other really shocking cases, really kind of basic failures in medical care where they hadn't read the fetal heart rate right. Um, really major, major, major errors that had left people disabled for life, um, that had led people dying, um, really just stuff that you don't really ever expect to read. And I, I, show, I showed it to my boss. I, I, and I mean, reporters get excited about things all the time, and I don't know whether she thought that maybe it was just another thing where I was like, oh my God, you've got to look at this, this is amazing. And she read it and just kind of went, oh my God, <laughs> what? But the pages Jennifer had in front of her were just part of something more, 
extracts from the full report. But now she had the front page and she had the title. To then ask her wife to report by name and by the date, and because I had the cover sheet of it, I knew exactly what it was. Um, and then there was no way around that then. They had to release it in full uh, under under FOI. And that, I think, was in the November. So it had taken probably from the first I'd heard about there being issues in their maternity department. I had six months or so to get hold of it. There were so many times when she could have given up. She was, after all, working on other stories every day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was doing, it was a kind of, it was a slow-burning one while I was doing lots of other stuff. Um, I think one of the things that encouraged me to pursue it was when we, when I'd done the story in the summer about general problems at North Manchester General, and then we'd had all this feedback from patients and staff, and then we did another story, and then that had loads of feedback. Um, that kind of encouraged me that this was something that we kind of needed to keep on top of. But if I'm totally honest, I think the real tenacity is probably down to my source because they were getting increasingly angry every time I spoke to them. And I, I, there was a bit in the back of my mind that was just thinking, I think you've got your wires crossed. Like, I just don't see how this can exist because I've asked for it so many times and been told so categorically that it doesn't exist. That I, and I, feel, I felt terrible at the end for having doubted them because, of course, they were not one piece of information they'd given me at any point along the whole of the process had been wrong. It was completely spot on. Um, so, I, but yeah, I, I think the tenacity, the the price for the tenacity probably is 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 with them really as much as it is with me. Like you know, them just kind of going, for God's sake, like don't stop digging, like keep keep going. I mean, they they basically just had to give me it in the end, didn't they? <laughs> The Manchester Evening News published the story and it went big. The words in the report are stark. High levels of harm for babies, clear evidence of poor decision-making and significant harm to women in the maternity units at the Royal Oldham and North Manchester General Hospitals. Findings from an internal report now made public. The public's response was one of shock and horror. I think... Uh, that kind of personal, the personal impact of it, I guess, um, is part of the reason why it's so shocking as a story because, you know, everyone's got a mum, everyone knows somebody, you know, who has in some way been through that process. And I think there was a bit of a sense of, among a lot of women, it could have been, that could have been me. Jennifer's reporting had revealed a wide-scale and systematic problem across the trust hospitals. It had found deaths and appalling permanent harm as a direct result of bad clinical decisions, chronic short staffing and poor attitudes. Long-term failures had led to high levels of harm for babies in particular, the report said. And the trust had received more legal claims and paid out more in damages than any other between 2010 and 2015. Nearly half of those claims have related to issues around mothers and babies. The payouts totaled more than £25 million. After finally releasing the reports, the Trust told Jennifer that hospital chiefs had put in place measures to address the problem, in a large part as a result of the report itself. Central Manchester NHS Foundation Trust had been brought in to oversee the maternity service. 
Professor Matthew Makin, Medical Director at Pennine Trust, said considerable work had been done since to improve services, including the recruitment of more midwives. The priority is for all of the trust services to meet the high standards that patients expect and deserve, he said. We are steadily making the necessary improvements so that patients can receive reliable, high-quality care across all our services. And Makin told Channel 5 News that there had been no intentional attempt to keep the report from Jennifer. There has been no intention whatsoever to withhold any of this information. We've met with, with the families involved in the failings of care that we describe. I hope we've dealt with them as sensitively as possible. We've apologised, we've learned lessons. After months and months of digging, the story was out. It was a success. But the timing could have been better for Jennifer's personal life. It went on the front page on the Thursday, and on the Thursday night, I flew to Thailand. <laughs> so the whole of the day when I was supposed to be packing and buy, buying clothes for my holiday, my phone was just ringing off the hook from, um, you know, like radio people and TV people wanting to sort of talk about this awful case, really. Um, so I know we followed it up um, and I know we did a lot of stories while I was off but the next story that I did about it was when I got back um, and in the meantime the MP that I mentioned Graham Stringer had who'd been such as a thorn in the side I suppose of Pennine's leadership over a long period of time organised a Westminster Hall debate in Parliament uh, for Greater Manchester MPs and called a health minister um, to that debate so that they could talk about uh, historic, I suppose, problems at the Trust and how it was that we, we kind of ended up where we ended up. Um, so that was the next thing I wrote about. Amazing. And but but were you it, were you like on the beach in Thailand reading about this stuff or were you able to yeah. kind of switch off? Yeah, no, well, it was kind of hard because um, every time I was on Wi-Fi, I'd got kind of like my Twitter alerts going at me. Because it did, I mean, I, I thought it would, you know, I thought it would probably go national, but I was a bit taken of... I think you can get so involved in your own story that obviously you think it's a really big deal, but I think you can lose perspective on whether anybody else will think that it's a big deal. So the Thursday morning, I kind of woke up to all these missed calls from people wanting to interview me about it. And I was kind of like, no, I'm going on holiday. Like, <laughs> I need to go to the Trafford Centre and buy some flip-flops. So yeah, it was, um, yeah, we did. We, we, we did keep on writing about it afterwards. Uh, and I have done since. The work was later recognised at regional press awards where Jennifer won Specialist Reporter of the Year. Yeah, such great work. I can't believe you got a brown paper envelope on your doorstep. I'm so jealous. It was <laughs> fun. That is the dream. It was fun. <laughs> That's all from this episode of The Tip-Off. Thanks again to Jennifer Williams. There's links to her stories in the show notes. Our title music is by Dice Muse, and other music in this episode by Komaku, The Losers and Poddington Bear. Next time. So that's obviously that's quite an exciting moment. Um, but this was the this was when it clicked that this wasn't just coincidence. This was a specific and deliberate um, method of business by, by a group of companies. The Times' Billy Kember tells us how one investigation failing led him to uncover a money-making racket costing the NHS millions. If you like the show, please do tell a friend or take a minute to rate us on iTunes. It really does help. And stay tuned for more stories behind the headlines.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, 